Hey, City Rev family, welcome to the City Rev Live podcast. If you found yourself here, we want to say welcome. Each week on this podcast, we feature content and conversations that help strengthen your relationship with God and others and equip you to make a difference right where you are. For this summer, we're doing a bit of a throwback series in which we're featuring conversations from previous podcast episodes. Now, we've condensed them a bit to give you just the very best from each of these episodes. We hope this conversation you're going to hear today encourages you in your personal growth and your unique faith journey. And hey, if this conversation is something you enjoy, let us know. We would love to hear from you. Send us a DM on our social media platforms. We'd love your feedback and to hear how this has helped shape this season for you. Enjoy this episode and we'll talk soon, fam. Today, what we are going to be talking about, what we have been talking about, is this idea of rest and Sabbath. So what kind of brought this topic on? Yeah, so we've been going through in this teaching series, The Provider. We've been talking about Exodus 16, 15 and 16. We've been talking a lot about manna. And I know sometimes as, you know, our heart is we, when we do a teaching series, we typically focus on one text, one part of the Bible. And it's just like the Bible's so massive. Like when are we ever as a church going to go back to Exodus 16? I don't know that, you know, who knows, yeah. maybe a couple years. So while we're in it, there's so often when I'm preaching or we're, whoever's preaching and we, we're, about, we're going through a series and there's other stuff in there that we don't get to. And so sometimes uh, what I love about this podcast is it gives us opportunity to, you know, mine some of this other stuff out and talk about some of it that we might not be able to talk about in the series. And so uh, we've been talking about how God provides, but specifically I wanted to just draw out some stuff in here that is is so applicable, so helpful, so practical about the idea of rest, the idea of sabbatical, taking time off. And I really feel like that's something that is relevant right now Mm -hmm. in the quarantine. I think it's relevant all the time. I don't know that as a culture we tend to rest well. And so I I feel like it's always a helpful subject for us to think through. Yeah, so um, work overworking workaholism um, is is one of those things that we actually wear like a badge. So like someone yeah. wouldn't, you know, someone wouldn't necessarily wear if if there's something else that's completely out of whack in their in their life, they're not going to wear that as a badge. You know, if they're like, man, I just I can't stop spending money. I'm I'm addicted to shopping. I you know I'm I'm always in debt. Like that's not something they're going to brag about. Like that's something that they're going to want to work through. Well, but we do kind of brag about overworking. We're like, oh, I'm just so busy. I, you know, it's my third week in a row working, you know, 170 hours this week, you know, yeah. which there's not even really that many hours in a week. <laughs> but, you know, we, we brag about it. Oh, I haven't taken a day off in three months. You know, oh, it must be nice that you went on a vacation because I don't have, a, you know, I can't take vacation. You know, whatever it is, yeah. we kind of kind of brag about it a little and we wear overworking as a badge. And the Bible has a lot to say about that. So I think that's one of the things is that our culture prizes overworking and um, doesn't prize rest and doesn't know what to do with the idea of rest. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's good. And so then when we do rest, a lot of times we feel guilty. You know, it's hard then because of that when, when you go to a rest part of your day or your week or your year, you feel like you're doing something wrong. You feel like you're, you can't actually rest, which is actually not helping your work. And so um, taking, 
taking rest is is absolutely is absolutely biblical. It's critical, and knowing what the letting the Bible set our minds on rest and work is absolutely vital rather than our culture. Because our culture, there's some great things about our culture when it comes to hard work and productivity and innovation, but there's some things that are a little off kilter. Yeah, that's really good. So what does, um, you know, we talk about the, the Bible does talk about rest. What, um, what does it say about rest? What are some specific things that yeah. God would have us know about rest? I think one of the biggest things is this idea of Sabbath. And I think that'd be really what's in this text and where we can start is this idea of Sabbath. And there's a lot of questions I think that Christians have about the Sabbath, because it's actually one of the Ten Commandments. I think it's the Fourth Commandment. Um, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. In fact, it, I mean, in the law, it was a capital crime for breaking the Sabbath. Like mm-hmm. You would be executed, which is, I mean, that's like, whoa. Okay? Yeah, that's like, crazy. That is, that's yeah. a big deal. You would be, and there's actually an account of that in the Bible, honestly, um, in the book of Numbers. The Sabbath, keeping the Sabbath was a huge, huge deal. It was a capital crime to break the Sabbath. And so a lot of Christians are like, whoa, time out. Like, how does that apply then to me as a Christian? Like, you know, is this like the dietary laws that don't apply to me? Or is this a law that does apply to me? Because does that mean that like I should be executed? Obviously, you know, we wouldn't execute someone, but like, does that mean like it's that big of a sin that I didn't take a day off? Do I have to take Sunday off? Is it Saturday? You know, like it is in the Old Testament. Is it Sunday like the New Testament? I think we have a lot of questions about the Sabbath. And and part of it is it's wired into Genesis 1, the very first book, very first chapter. God works six days, rested the seventh, He's setting a paradigm and a precedent. Obviously, he doesn't need to rest because he's he's God. It's not like he's tired. He's setting a paradigm and a precedent. And so Sabbath is one of the things that's talked about. And Sabbath, we've got to unpack the idea of of Sabbath um, if if we're gonna if we're gonna walk through this kinds of stuff. So I think there's a lot of questions regarding Sabbath that it's helpful for us to understand. Yeah, that's good. I think when um, one of the things that's so I think weird about what you just said (laughs) was that God didn't need to take rest, but he purposely took rest, you know, and that was that was just to illustrate to us how our life pattern should work. Yeah, it it literally is embedded into the fabric of creation. In other words, it's the starts off with the way the universe is designed to function is for periods of rest work and rest, six mm-hmm. days of work, and then he rested. And so um, let's just kind of walk through just Sabbath a little bit, and then I want to go into Exodus 16 and kind of look at it. But just a couple things. First of all, we approach the law as Christians very specifically. Um, Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, I think is it really helps us understand how we approach the law as Christians. Jesus says, I did not come to change the law. So Jesus does not come and say, hey, the law was silly. I don't know why, you know, God was just, you know, we're going to loosen the law. He says, I am not here to loosen the law at all. Mm. And why? Because God gave the law. The law was not Moses' ideas. It was God's ideas. God set the law. And so um, Jesus says, I have not come to change any of it, but he did come to fulfill it. So Jesus, so here's how we've got to think about it. Jesus perfectly fulfilled the Sabbath for us. So we as Christians are not bound to the idea of the Sabbath law because Jesus perfectly fulfilled the Sabbath law for us. 
So we don't look at Sabbath from a legalistic perspective. We now look at it from a wisdom perspective. This is how God wired us and wired creation. And what Jesus says about, about Sabbath is he says, Sabbath was not, uh, man was not made for the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for man. So in other words, it's not that the Sabbath is so important that God is, is wanting humans to kind of be like, to bend and force themselves to obey some law because the Sabbath is more important. No, because God knows how he wired humans to need mm -hmm. a Sabbath, yeah. he's given us this law, which is a gift. All of the laws we should see as a gift to us. Psalm 119, at some point, if you're listening or watching, go back and read Psalm 119 and see how the psalmist describes all of God's laws. He says they're incredible. It's like honey. Uh, it's like, he says one of his descriptions, it's like the sweetness of honey. All of God's laws are a gift to you. It, it's, he's saying, don't have an idol because that will mess up your life. It can't, an idol, if you make something and worship it, it's not going to protect you. It can do nothing for you, so don't have that. Don't murder, okay? That's not good, you know, that's gonna destroy your life. Honor your parents, because if you don't, that's gonna destroy your life. And by the way, if you don't honor your parents, you're setting a bad precedent for your kids who are watching how you honor your parents, and that's how they're gonna treat you. These are all for us. The Sabbath is for us. So as Christians, we're not. Jesus fulfilled the law for us. We're in Christ, so now we, we use the Sabbath as a, because we understand how he wired us, it is for us. And so what do we know about the Sabbath? Two things, we use the Sabbath um, as an opportunity to rest and as an opportunity to worship. So I just wanted to start with just kind of framing this idea of as a Christian, how do I approach the Sabbath? And I think we don't approach it um, rigidly and legalistically because for starters, Sabbath doesn't have to be on, on Sunday. Uh, many people worship on Saturday. I mean, as a pastor, Sunday's the day I work the hardest. Yeah, that's true. You know, and you know as a, as a church staff person, like yeah. we, weekends, I, if, if Sunday was my Sabbath, I would, I would never have any rest. So my Sabbath yeah. is a different day of the week when I take off with my family and I set it aside for rest and for worship. So we don't approach it legalistically. Um, we, we, but we do appreciate that God wired this for us and we do honor it like that. Does that make sense? That does make sense. Yeah, that's good. I'm like, I'm, I'm making all these mental notes. I'm like, man, this is really good. I feel like it's just such a timely, you know, um, thing for us to be talking about, especially with this quarantine, because you just, yeah. you, we are a culture that I think when we talk about rest and we think about when we're going to take rest, we do have so much guilt that is tied to that. Yeah. And I, I think in general, we feel that way. And especially now during this time, mm. it's like, we're forced to not have options right now. Yeah. <laughs> we're forced to, to be resting. And so we're, we're forced into rest. Plus we have this weird, like looming cloud of guilt. So it's just, it's encouraging to hear that it's not, it's not just like a suggestion that God gave, but it's like, this is how you, this is another way that you can worship me, Yeah, you know, is by taking time to rest. Um, and not just empty your mind, you know, because yeah. I think that's another thing too, is we in our, um, 
in our day and age, we think rest is kind of like an emptying of the mind, mm -hmm. you know, and just trying to get still. But really, it's it's an act of worship. What are you meditating mm -hmm. on? What are things that you're allowing, you know, to come in and kind of refresh your soul and mm -hmm. things that you have to be reminded of? And that's all that's all part of rest. Yeah. So that's really good. If when we talk about worship, um, you know, anything that we do can be turned into worship. So mm -hmm. um, I remember I, I heard actually a seminary professor once was like, um, he was talking about this idea and he, he said in the, in the class, how many of you would feel comfortable mowing your lawns on a Sunday? And I'm like, and I, I raised my hand and, and he like looked at me like, how dare you? You know, how dare you want to mow your lawn on Sunday? And he was approaching it I, I, very legalistically. And, um, and, I, and I humbly hopefully said, well, I think there's some people that they, they actually, mowing their lawns is an enjoyable, worshipful activity. I mean, there's some people I know that love just watching row by row the grass get all uniform and like, you know, perfectly cut and trimmed. And I mean, anything that turns into praise and thankfulness to God and enjoying his gifts, anything can be turned into an act of worship. I mean, obviously sin, breaking God's laws is not worship. And, um, and actually anything can be could be turned into selfishness or excess. But by worship, it doesn't necessarily mean we spend the whole day like in a prayer closet. Mm -hmm. It could mean someone goes out and kayaks and enjoys God's creation or go or paints, you know, and uses yeah. art or, um, and turns it into worship. I think there should be some scripture and some prayer and stuff like that, of course, but um, at some point throughout the day. But it's a day to rest and um, and to worship the Lord, and um, and so that that's I think what the Sabbath in general is supposed to be. So, yeah. But Exodus 16 talks. Let me just jump into that a little bit, maybe, sure. unless you want to sure. have any other thoughts on that before we continue. Um, but Exodus 16, it's talking about manna, and um, if you haven't had a chance to hear, if you're watching, haven't had a chance to hear from the Provider series. Um, you can check that out on our other City Rev sermon podcast. We have those there. They're also on our website, cityrev.org. But um, on here, we're talking about God's people are in the wilderness. They've crossed the Red Sea. This is before they get to Mount Sinai. So that's actually interesting. It's before they get the law. And God is teaching them about Sabbath. And the way it works is they're hungry. They're providing manna. Um, manna is on the ground. And it describes it um, as like, it just, well, let me just read it. I want to hear well, what you, you... you described it last week in, in your sermon. Yeah, I want to read this. I want, to, I want you to tell me what comes to your mind, okay? I'm gonna, then I'll tell you what I think. Okay. Now, the house of Israel, this is verse 31 of 16. Now, the house of Israel called its name manna. It was like coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. What do you think? I mean, I, what do you so think? So in my mind, like? this is how I ex how I think manna is like. Okay. So it's have you ever had baklava? Yeah. Do you know what baklava? Oh yeah. Okay. So I imagine manna Ooh. to be not baklava because it has like the, all the sugar and this the nuts and stuff yes. inside, but it's like the first layer of the baklava mm. that's that's thin mm -hmm. and it's crispy, but it's also kind of um, sweet. Yes. So that's what I'm imagining. And that's what I'm like. I mean, I hope they had that, you know, because you that's just delicious. Baklava yeah. is, man, that is crazy. This is how it's described in Numbers. 
This is Numbers 11.7. Now, the manna was like coriander seed. We got to figure out what coriander seed is because I have no idea what that is. It, does it say that it was like, it was Yeah, it grounded? does. It does. Coriander seed, in its appearance uh, like that of bedellium, the people went about and gathered it and ground it, ground it in hand mills okay. and beat it in mortars and boiled it in pots and made cakes of it. And the taste was like that, like the taste of cakes baked with oil. It didn't sound that sweet, actually. That one there? That one does not sound See, that sweet. See, to me, but you know it tastes like honey. Uh, to me, I picture, and I actually said this um, in this, this last sermon, I think I picture a really soft, warm croissant, like <laughs> drizzled with, I think uh, you're dreaming. with honey. I, that, to me, that'd be amazing. I love croissants. <laughs> Anyway, um, the, the man. Speaking of down. croissants, yes, let's talk yes. about rest and good things. Exactly. Just like croissants. Um, which can be, you know, eating a cr- good croissant with honey drizzled on it can be an act of worship. It totally no is. Doubt. I okay. thank Jesus every time that I have a croissant. <laughs> so. Thank him. It is. Um, so anyway, the, he's laying this manna down. They're supposed to go out and gather it um, for six days every day. And it says, um, when the sun came out, I came down with the dew. When the sun came out and got hot, it melted which is significant for this discussion we're going to have today. And then they're, they're gathering it in for the day. And then on Friday, they gather twice as much so they can take the day off on Saturday. And on Saturday, it's not there, which mm-hmm. all of that is miraculous. I mean, that means he's controlling the, the details of manna. And so um, what they do is they, um, they store some up the the night bef- the night before they're supposed to store some up for the next day, and um, but but the problem is when they do that any other night. So when they do that on you know Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, if they store some to the next day, remember it says it stinks. It smells like yes, rotting, and it's like yeah. got wor- worms in it, and it just smells like it's rotting. I think it would smell like rotted meat. I think is the idea. It just smells terrible, and not just moldy bread. It's rotting. And so some of them don't, the first time, they don't store some up on Friday night because they don't want their tent to smell bad. So they're expecting to go out the next day. And what they're not trusting in is they're not trusting in God's provision that Friday night uniquely, he's going to make the extra they stored up not stink. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah, it does. So they're not trusting that God's going to provide. That is the first thing about rest I want to talk about. Rest is an is a tr- is a trust step. It's faith, because we often don't rest. We don't take a day off because we are not trusting that the world can go on without us. And so the idea of taking our phone or or even like and I'm not talking just the day off, but I'm talking like when you get home from work and it's time to spend with your family or setting it aside to go spend time with God. Like sometimes I'll go on a prayer walk and I'll leave my phone at home. Mm. And at first I'm like, wait, but what if? And I'm like, there's literally nothing. I have those same thoughts, yeah. Yeah, that is this big of a deal that for the next however long, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, I'll be fine. The world will be fine. Yeah. The world doesn't need me to stay connected. The world needs God to stay connected, and he is. But we don't rest often because we're not trusting God. And sometimes yeah. we have what are what we're trying to accomplish and overworking and not taking rest is not trusting that God, that it's safely in God's hands to provide. So it, we overwork. That's not God's plan. We don't rest. And it's a lack of faith in God's provision. For me, 
I know I, I'm such a list person, um, which is funny because a lot of creatives are not list people. Yeah. I'm, I'm not that. I'm creative, but I'm also a list person, mm -hmm. you know? And so I have to have everything there. I have to be able to like visually see that I've checked things off. And I'm sitting there and thinking of the things I have to do the next day. Yeah. And instead of, I think sometimes, instead of writing those things down, what has been helpful for me and what's been worshipful for me yes. is to say, okay, God, I'm not going to open my phone back up. I'm not going to write this thing down. I'm mm. like, I am going to let me sit with that idea. I'm going to force myself to rest. And tomorrow I, I trust that you'll, you'll, you'll help me to remember those things. Yeah. And I know it, it sounds a little woo woo. It sounds like, and then the Lord will speak to me, you know, at eight o'clock in the morning when I wake up. But for me, that's an act of worship yeah. because I have found myself at midnight making lists and then I'll be half asleep and I'll remember something else and I'll wake up out of my yeah. rest and I'll write something down. No, I think that that doesn't sound woo woo. woo, -woo. Was it? Yeah. Woo -woo. Like very like, mystical and see you're teaching me cool words now you know like, <laughs> i told you i'm cool okay what I've was that word you, you cool. said earlier tutelage tutelage that's... like a tutor like someone being tutored that's it sounds like a, like a like a dad that wears khakis <laughs> and he's like i am you, a dad like i don't know they're has just, a braided belt i don't want to offend anybody Actually, like braided if they belts love the word tutelage in, the but it just feels like somebody's like you're such a great tutelage. Like, <laughs> I don't even Someone know how to use that word, tutelage. Roby. It's a tutor, and you're under their tutelage. So it's not it's not a noun. It's not it a person. It is a noun, but it's a tutor <laughs> tutors We're a so pupil. Off topic right now. And the pupil is under that tutor's tutelage. That's how that works. And it's a okay. very hip word. I'll have it's okay. You, know. you don't have to continue. I'm not going to use it ever. So I think, but thank you for I that. I think it is not woo-woo what you're saying. <laughs> I think that it is, it's what you're saying is it's like you're releasing the, you're really, it's risky for you. So when yeah. you're saying like not putting it on a list, you're surrendering control, surrendering our rhythm. There is a biblical rhythm of working and resting. And so that's, it's an act of faith that God will provide. And you see that in this text because they have to trust that they store up enough manna for the next day and it's not going to rot and stink. They have to trust that it's in God's hand. And every single Friday, when they gather double the amount on Friday of manna for the next day, Saturday, when they rest, they have to trust that God is going to preserve it. And when we stop and rest, you're having to trust that God's going to preserve your list. Yeah. Some people have to trust that God's going to preserve the fire station when they drive away, the police station, that, you know, the, 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 their classroom, so their, their students, their, their business, their, their branch, their department. They've got to try. It's an act of faith. On the flip side, then if it's an act of faith, it's also an act of humility. And I think God designed for us to need to rest. And I'm talking like he designed us to need sleep. If you don't sleep, literally you eventually die. And so he's designed us to need to go unconscious, lay in the most vulnerable position where we, we have no control. Like someone could sneak into <laughs> our room or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, not to give someone who's watching nightmares, um, but like we have to, we go into this most vulnerable position 
every single day when we, at night when we go to sleep, he is designed for us to need sleep and rest and is a reminder that he doesn't sleep, but we do. Mm. So rest is an act of humility. It reminds me that I am not, in, I am not infinite. Good. I am not God. And um, he rested uh, in creation not because he needed to. I rest because I need to. So it's an act of faith. Rest is also an act of humility. Being a workaholic, not taking days off, not taking vacations, not resting and turning it off when you come home, not getting good sleep, ultimately comes down to pride. Yeah. And ultimately comes down to, I think, it's all on my shoulders. Yeah. One thing that we say around here, um, and I know because I've, I've heard some of our leadership say this, like saying that you haven't taken your time off and saying that you haven't taken right. your vacation is not a badge. Like you don't get right. a, a badge for that. Right. You know, like if anything with according to everything we're talking about. If you are not taking that time to rest, if you're not taking that time to worship God in that way, yes. it seems like you have your priorities off. Right. You know, and you're actually not leaning on God and right. you're actually not functioning to full capacity, you know? Absolutely. And so, you know, a lot of times our church doesn't know how hard we work on our staff culture, but we yeah. work very hard on our staff culture. And, um, we talk a lot about this. Our, our team runs very hard. Our, one of our values is hustle. But at the same time, we value health and we refuse to pick between the two. So people work hard. You know, working at a church is not the type of thing where you just punch out at five and nothing ever comes up. You know, it's yeah. ministry. You're, there's events. There's events to plan. There's people to minister to. And it's the, it's the best possible job and best possible thing I think you really can do is. Yeah. is working in a church. But you, we run hard. So we run hard, but we also make sure we rest. And we really hold people accountable to taking vacation, taking time off taking sabbaticals, taking that kind of thing because we run hard and we, and we rest hard, so to speak. Yeah. And um, so the balance of that, speaking of hustle, the balance of that is rest is not mean laziness. And I think that's an important balance because mm -hmm. there's some people that their struggle is going to be workaholism and there's some people where their struggle is going to be laziness or apathy. And God uh, promotes both of them. And he, he promotes both, I mean, I should say he promotes both working hard and rest. Look at how this is wired here in, in Exodus 16. They had to go out every day and gather it. I love that God, for all that he did do with the manna, he didn't prepackage it for them. He didn't just say, hey, every morning at your, oh, the, door, so the yeah. door of your tent, there is, I have preserved a one omer, which is the way yeah. they measure it's about a half gallon, one omer per person. He, he has the exact right amount of manna on the ground wherever they're at in the Sinai Peninsula for, the, for it's what it says, everyone had exactly how much they needed. It's nothing for God to take it one next step and have it all prepackaged right outside their tent. They had to go out every day and gather it for their family. Right. And not only did they have to gather it every day for their family, by the time the sun grew hot, it was melted. So they had to get up early, yeah. right? So they had to go out and gather it. And if they slept in and waited till 10 a.m. or however, 9.30 or whenever it was, it's not out, it's melted. Yeah, which shows, which shows uh, God's, um, I guess, like how he requires work. Like he says work is good, yeah. you know? You know, exactly. So at, before the fall in the garden, Adam is given work. He's a gardener. Yeah. Work is not bad. It, what the fall did when they sinned is it made work 
difficult, frustrating, and challenging. Work is wonderful and fulfilling. Mm -hmm. When we get to heaven, I think we'll have wonderfully fulfilling work to do. It'll be amazing. And, um, and so he wants them to work hard. They've got to work consistently. They've got to work every single day. They've got to get up early. They've got to gather it for their family and they've got to collect it. There is work that they have to do. And, and I think the other reason they couldn't store it up, they couldn't, they couldn't gather double on Monday for Tuesday. Like, you know what? Let's just, I want to sleep in on Tuesday. Let's gather double on Monday so we don't have to go out on Tuesday. Yeah. God didn't work like that. That only worked on Friday preparing for the Sabbath. And so I, what we've got to see is part of understanding rest is rest does not mean laziness. The Bible never condones laziness. The, the Bible talks about, especially through Proverbs, that it is a godly Christian thing to have a strong work ethic, to be diligent, to be hardworking, take pride in what we do, to do things with excellence. And so uh, one of the things that does not honor God is laziness and calling it rest. Mm -hmm. And so that's the balance. We, we are called to work hard and we're called um, to rest. Um, in that and, and to make sure that that we're not using rest as an excuse for for laziness. Yeah, I, I I'm thinking, um, you know, too, is that sometimes it's hard for us to go from zero to 60 in the sense of like, yeah. and I'm kind of saying that backwards, 60 to zero, really, yeah. um, where you're just you're hard at work, you're hustling. It's good. It's healthy, you know, and then you know that, OK, later tonight. I have to rest or tomorrow's going to be my Sabbath, my rest right. time. Um, is there any, would you say that there's any, I guess, preparation yeah. that you would kind of put in place to help your mind and your heart and your soul get ready for a, a, a Sabbath? I think that, I think that is exactly right, Mandy. I think thinking in those terms, I think we should have such a high value for rest that we prepare for it. Hmm, and yeah. so a couple things, and, and that's also biblical because think about how it's, it's in here in Exodus 16. It, it, he could have, he easily could have made the manna work differently. You know, it satisfied them. The manna satisfied each person regardless of their metabolism or appetite. So that's a miracle. He knows every single person and for 40 years. So there's a child that was satisfied by an mm. omer of manna. And then when they became a teenager and their bodies were growing, it still satisfied them. And then when they're an adult, it still satisfied them. So he's doing a miracle with the manna. He could have just as easily said, hey, what you're going to do is you're going to eat Friday's manna and it will satisfy you through the next day. Right? That's be the same miracle. You could just take it that step further. Yeah. But he didn't wire it like that. He said, no, I want you to gather double, and I'm going to do a different miracle diff uh, than on Friday. I'm going to keep it from spoiling, and it'll be just as fresh on Saturday. So what they had to do is they had to prepare to rest. And that carried all the way through even modern times uh, for J our Jewish people that are as they're preparing for Sabbath. They cook ahead of time. They prepare ahead of time. And so preparing for a day of Sabbath, preparing for rest, I think is, is biblical, and it's definitely something that, that they should do. And in fact, I think there is something in the that we lose from the biblical perspective when when we've shifted our view of the day being the day starts when we wake up. Hmm. There's so many things, there's so many decisions we make when the sun goes down that affects the entire next day. And so thinking in terms of um, of they would view the the sun down as the beginning of the next day. And making those decisions the night before is huge. A couple things specifically to prepare more specifically is 
work smart through the week. And this, we talk about this in our, our staff culture. Work yeah. smart through the week. Be diligent through the week so you can rest. Part of the pro- Sometimes the problem is, oh, I've got so much to do, and I, I, you know, there's so many, so many things I, I didn't get done. And that might be because there's a lot. And sometimes you just have to say, hey, it's going to be left until the next day, or hey, I'm going to have to take a different day off or whatever. Yeah. But it also could be because I just didn't work smart. Yeah. I just didn't get stuff done. And so what I would encourage, um, what would encourage people is work smart so you can, you know, when you get home, you can be done. Get good, wise rhythms so that at the end of the day, you're going through, okay, uh, this I can pick up tomorrow. Plan out your week in a way that's wise. So you are work smart so you can take the, take the day off. Um, actually prepare what you're going to do on your, on your rest. And I think sometimes we just run, 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 work, 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 and then, oh, I'm exhausted, and I finally have, and I haven't planned my vacation well. I I wait to plan my vacation until the first day of vacation. I haven't planned my vacation well. Sometimes what we do is when we actually do have vacation, the vacation's more exhausting than our actual work. The vacation's (laughs) not. You need a vacation for your vacation. Yeah, Yeah, and like, so one of the things that Rebecca and I do is when we take a vacation, if we're traveling, we come back a day early. I, I need that buffer day. I don't want to come back at like l- like driving back with the kids along, you know, we, all of a sudden we get in, it's 10 p.m. and I got to be at work the next day. That's not restful. Yeah. So like prepare ahead of time. Hey, I'm going to schedule out my vacation like this. Hey, you know what I'm going to do? You know what we should do as a family on this off on this day day off? We're going to do this. You know what I'm going to do? You know what would be great? I have a little bit of, you know, couples who've got kids and they're balancing getting alone time. Maybe say, hey, how are we in this next month going to rest? You know, especially if now they're suddenly homeschooling. Okay, you know, how about you take this time and you go do what you need to do. You know, go for a run or do whatever it is. And then, you know what, I'm going to take rest on this time. And you know what, uh, we're both going to do this together or we're going to do this as a family. Take rest so seriously that it's not just this blank time you're wandering around feeling guilty and you end up sitting down and working again. Yeah. Prepare and plan out what you're going to do to rest that way you can actually do things that are constructive, that are valuable, that you can make space for worship. You can turn those things that you love doing and turn them into something that, that's worshipful. I think those are a couple really important preparation things. That we- yeah, and I also think a, a good point to that is being really intentional, you know, touch on your point with laziness. Rest is not just sitting there, you know, binge watching a show or, you know, doing nothing. Like it could be very intentional with what gives you life that's very specific to you, what encourages you, what gets you ready, what fills your soul, what makes like, I mean, this sounds super cheesy, but like what makes you smile? Like what are the things that kind of fill you up for the next day's work or the next week's work? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the word you used there was intentional. And I think that's really, that, that I think is the key because there's nothing, one activity is not inherently better than, than another. You know, if, if someone, if there's a, if there's a good healthy show that fills your soul on Netflix that you want to binge watch, yeah. maybe that's fine, but do it intentionally. You know, like think about it ahead of time, plan it out ahead of time. Um, and, and think, hey, what, you know, and, and so that it can be turned into something that's healthy, that is constructive, that can be actually turned into to worship. I mean, when I'm on vacation, one of the things I love doing, I love putting a puzzle together. And while I'm sitting there in my khakis as a dad using words like tutelage, I, I put puzzles together. And honestly, I love, uh, Rebecca and I would talk about like, why is this 
This is, this is just so restorative. Why? Because there's so much of life that you don't see, hey, this piece fit, and then That's that good, piece yeah. fit, and that was accomplished. So it doesn't, one activity is not necessarily better than the other, but being intentional yeah. about it. The last thing I'll say is uh, I think part of preparation is setting boundaries. And I think in order to rest, whether it is at night, whether it is uh, on your day off, whether it is for vacation, set those boundaries. Set the boundaries personally, set the boundaries professionally. In other words, set the boundary for yourself. Say, hey, I am going to take, when That's I get good. home, take my yeah. phone, I'm gonna put it somewhere where I'm not just seeing it and going, oh, and checking it every 10, 15 minutes. Put it away so that you can, and if you're like, hey, I've got one of those jobs, I need to be reachable. Find a solution where reachable doesn't mean tethered permanently yeah. to your phone. Um, if you, if you can in your business, if you're in a leadership managerial executive role, maybe you're a business owner or whatever, then set the boundaries professionally say, Hey, when I am, when I am not here, this is how you reach me in the event of an emergency, but do not expect that I am going to respond until such and such a time set up the boundaries. If you are in a leadership role, then set the, set the culture that is a high value of rest. It is not in someone's company's best interest to essentially not want their employees to ever rest. That is a recipe for a high turnover because that is, that is not biblically how humans are wired. Mm -hmm. So set boundaries personally, set boundaries professionally. There is nothing that hurts my heart uh, more than a couple times my kids, I've been home and my daughter or my son said, hey dad, can you put your phone down? And mm. as a reminder of, you know what? This is time with my kids. What That's am I good. doing? This, yeah. this, mom this moment right now is a little important. Th having this time with my kids that I never get back yeah. is absolutely vital, the most important thing. And it it's also makes me a better pastor. It makes me a better leader. It makes me a better parent to stop and rest and make sure that I have my life in balance. So set up those intentional boundaries. Yeah. That's so good. Wow. All of these uh, points that we're hitting, I feel like are so good, so timely um, and just help us to kind of set up our rest in a way that's worshipful, that honors the Lord and that helps us to work better. Absolutely. You know, so that's really good. Uh, Roby, you did mention just to wrap up, you did mention earlier in this podcast that in heaven we we may have roles where we work. Yeah. And um, as I'm just thinking, I uh, I think you're job is going to mm. be creating a social media posts. Social media posts? Yeah, you're going to run Heaven's Instagram. I mean, you've seen because my Because you're so work. hip and just all the the new words that you'll be learning in Heaven. In I'll have a word. How about my, my social media post will be like a word <laughs> for the day. A hip word for the day will be my post. And it's Heaven, so everybody's going to think it's They're awesome. They're going to love it. You They're know? Love it. There's, uh, all right. Well, Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Um, we hope to see you next time. Thank you for joining us on City Rev Life. You can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review wherever you're listening to this. And we love it when you share it with your friends on social media. For more videos and content, go ahead and check us out at cityrev.org podcast or download our City Rev Church app. Have a great day.